This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in. It's the post-game edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Uh, darkness has descended upon College Park in a multitude of ways as I'm sitting up here um, overlooking Capital One Field where Penn State demolished the Maryland Terrapins coming off of their respective bye weeks, a game that was a potential statement game for the home team. And I can tell you at the start of this game, they did a nice job with the blackout, but by the time we got to halftime, it was beginning to see a wave of whiteout, and, and at the end of this game, the final score, 59 to nothing, could have closed your eyes, and it sounded like you were in Beaver Stadium. That's how the tide turned as this game moved on, and Penn State, uh, well, they applied an ass-whooping, quite frankly. 59 nothing. it was 38 nothing at the half. Uh, the defense allowed 125 total yards. Sean Clifford had four touchdowns total in the first half alone. We got a lot to cover, Sean, and but before we, we get to all that, uh, we got to talk about something really important, uh, and, and it's something we've talked a lot about on this podcast. Jordan Stout, is the magic gone? Uh, you know, Did Virginia Tech make the right move? Now, of course, we're in jest, but as we have here on the rundown, Sean, uh, you're going to find reasons to, to find something to be sad about, and of course, uh, in jest, I'm saying, Jordan Stout, uh, what's wrong with the guy? Three kicks that got returned tonight? I mean, has he lost it? I'm not sure what the deal is. He missed a field goal as well. I mean, it's just, oh, it's crazy to think about. But, I mean, man, that you brought out the swear. And when you when you bring out the swear words, it means something because that was an ass-kicking. I mean, that was just uh, – that's probably putting it politely. Penn State came out, set the tone from the very start. Um, and just delivered one of, I mean, it, it, not flawless, obviously, but uh, one of the, the best, most complete performances of the James Franklin era. They did it in an atmosphere in which you thought maybe would give a couple of points to the home team or give you know some sort of uh, possession advantage to the home team. They came right out. They smacked Maryland around for, what, the third or fourth year in a row and, and really established supremacy and that's where they that's where they come out of that uh almost hit the over by themselves uh did not hit the over because they didn't get any help from from the other side but man uh six and a half point spread turns into a 59 point win that doesn't happen too often no and it's been remarkable to to see these teams in the last three years i mean uh 66 to 3 38 to 3 and now we see 59 to nothing and this was a a maryland team and franklin reminded us of, of this of course in the post-game press conference that that was ranked the number 21 in the country a couple of weeks ago and uh when penn state was fighting down to the wire with pitt uh and we talked about that game at length what happened to maryland losing on the road at temple they were ranked for the first time since 2013 here they are all of a sudden at two and two uh, and good luck to Mike Loxley figuring this thing out. But in Penn State's case, uh, we've talked about it a lot. 
a lot of firsts for a young team. You've got Sean Clifford, first Big Ten game, first road game. And the, to me, the conversation starts with how sharp he was really right out the gate. Six of seven first-half possessions. Clifford leads Penn State uh, to score points. One of them ended with an interception, his first and only turnover of his young career so far. Uh, but overall, a, a guy who uh, I believe at one point was 16 of 18. I think he finished uh, 19 of 23. 398 passing yards. Uh, you, you throw in a bunch of rushing yards. Sean, in, in three of four games now, he's gone over 330 total yards. Uh, this was his second four-touchdown performance, and, and Will Levis came in you know, about midway through the third quarter, got himself some work, scored a couple touchdowns himself. But speaking with Sean Clifford on the field after this game, his eyes were lit up. This guy was glowing, and he said he has never had so much fun in his life. That's the kind of attitude, that's the kind of demeanor that guys gravitate towards. It's a young team finding its identity, and they continue to find themselves a quarterback. And very quickly, Sean Clifford dispelled a lot of those concerns. I think Ricky Ronnie's probably walking away from the facilities here in Maryland, feeling pretty good about how things turned out today. But I thought the quarterback was the story, considering what was a hostile environment at the beginning here at Maryland, uh, you know, against a Big Ten opponent on the road, coming off a bye week. A lot of that falls upon the quarterback to prepare himself for it. And I can't imagine a more prepared looking Sean Clifford here on Friday night. I mean, almost night and day from two weeks ago against Pitt. I mean, the last two podcasts that we've had, we've talked about how much better Clifford needs to be for this team to take the next step. And, you know, granted that Maryland's not good. They they showed that tonight and they showed that against Temple. Um, but Clifford came out. He hit the passes he needed to hit. He completed his first nine. They got him comfortable. I mean, they came out and, I mean, he... he part of the Red Sea for that first touchdown. I mean, it's just uh, an incredible incredible performance by Clifford. Completed his first nine. He also had 11 straight uh, at another point in the game. Uh, 26 of 31, 398 and a touchdown. He's probably going to be your Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. Um, and what I liked about Clifford, he showed signs of progress and he showed signs of, of making his progressions. I mean, he was just, um, it was completely not, I mean, we'll, we'll take a look at the full tape later this week but I mean it's very different from what we saw um you know just two weeks ago just looking off receiver or looking off defensive backs and going to a different back and checking down to uh, a running back in the flat I mean just a, a very different outlook than, than what we saw from him a couple of weeks ago he let his guys do their thing I mean he, he, he had a couple of short completions that turned into big ones I mean you look at Nick Bowers what he was able to do tonight did a really nice job and of course KJ Hamler and we said it going into the game Maryland couldn't cover KJ Hamler. They had nobody back there that could stick with him. He's too fast, too quick. He showed that uh, on the second touchdown. He just threw it up there. KJ did his thing, did uh, did high stepped in from about the 25, which was pretty funny to watch. But I think it was very indicative of the of the entire game, how much better Penn State was than Maryland. And that started and ended with Sean Clifford. I mean, just can't say enough about the, the progress that we saw. Now, can't get too high on it, no doubt about it. He's got another um, you know, a bunch of games coming up on the schedule that are that are going to be challenging. But, you know, past a, uh, a, a test that I would argue was tougher than the one that uh, Pitt presented with the, the road crowd and then the night game and all that and the Friday night game and all that kind of stuff. So I uh, can't say enough about Sean Clifford. We've, we've sort of maybe not ragged on him the last couple of weeks on the podcast, but we said he needed to be better. He was flat out just 
multiple times better um, to, uh, on Saturday or excuse me, Friday night. Sorry, I'm looking at my clock and it's Saturday already. But Friday night, he was fantastic. Can't say enough about his performance. Yeah, and, and Sean Clifford doing that uh, with Trace McSorley in attendance the first time that kind of phenomenon has happened where there's a different Penn State quarterback playing in front of Trace. Uh, obviously, we're in his new neck of the woods with the Baltimore Ravens being home this weekend. Uh, and and, and it, it just was really interesting to see Clifford take in the moment. He was very appreciative of the fans uh, who came down here. And he's just a guy who was clearly feeling very confident. Ten touchdowns, one turnover four victories and four starts at the college level. And you look around college football, a lot of teams that kind of were, you know, pinning their hopes to the development of first-year starters at quarterback, whether it be transfers, whether that be other redshirt sophomores, redshirt freshmen. And we've seen a lot of those situations crash and burn. Uh, You've seen, you know, for example, tonight on this very same field, you know, we talked about it. I I specifically said I thought a reason why, you know, this was going to be a game going into the fourth quarter. My pick was 34 to 20. That turned out to be extremely conservative. But I thought, you know, Josh Jackson was going to be a guy that could be a stabilizing force. He was thrown through the wolves it felt like from the get-go he had 65 passing yards a couple really ugly uh, interceptions the credit to the defensive scheme that Penn State put together on on both occasions Uh, first Jan Johnson setting up that touchdown run for Sean Clifford on the first offensive play with his interception Uh, later on in the first half Tariq Castro Fields comes up with one when the defense has their back against the goal line and one thing Franklin said and, and it really did kind of resonate at the end they have sacrificed some shutouts over the course of years, and I think you could probably point to that first game of this season because they've rotated in third and fourth stringers as the game has worn on, getting those guys reps, getting them some game experience, and sometimes that comes at the expense of, of, of preserving the shutout. Today, to see them get to the finish line on the road and, and keep that zero on the scoreboard, I think it says a lot about the depth of this defense. And obviously, we talk about the star on offense being Sean Clifford. The star last week, Micah Parsons, played his best game, two weeks ago, I should say, played his best game of his, his college career against Pitt. I think we, we all kind of came to that assumption it was it was his best all-around performance. He was out of here before it felt like the game started because of a targeting penalty. Uh, look, maybe it speaks about where Maryland is right now offensively. They started off scoring a bunch of points, but when he left the game, very impressive play from Jesse Lucetta for the most part. Thought he flashed. Brandon Brandon Smith put together, uh, you know, guy. He was all over the football field, and another linebacker who who I thought really warranted some spotlight tonight. Maybe the best game of his his career. Ellis Brooks, uh, two and a half sacks for this team. Um, 125 yards allowed, no points, and and now we're getting to the point where you start to review the stats here on this defense, Sean. The one that stands out is they've given up three touchdowns in a, in four games now, and and you know that's including one of those touchdowns that came late against Idaho in an aforementioned situation where you're putting out you know true freshmen in their first kind of game experience. So, uh, hey, four sacks tonight. Again, the fireworks may not be there, but. You can't ask for much more from this defense. And again, can't ask for much more from this Penn State program considering the volume of first and second year contributors that fill this too deep to come out and deliver this kind of complete performance. And Franklin thought that they were in position because of the work they put in during the bye week to come out and do this. But even in his even in his best case scenario, I don't know if he could have pictured this kind of just start to finish dominance uh, you know, for a Penn State team that... And we still feel like we have a lot to learn about them, but uh, the young kids showed us something tonight. I don't think there's any doubt about that. 
Yeah, and you had guys like Joey Porter out there. Marquise Wilson played. Anthony Wigan got in there. Um, so there was a bunch of guys that actually got to, you know, the, their first appearance, um, uh, you know, on a college field. And that typically doesn't happen on the road in the conference. So um, that's certainly a good thing. But we'll take you back. I mean, the start. I mean, Penn State just kind of uh, had their way with uh, with Josh Jackson in this off in that Maryland offense from the start. Um, as as uh, Tyler mentioned, 128 total yards to Penn State 619. Penn State threw for 421 yards, uh, had 198 rushing. Maryland 68 and 60. Um, usually, when you have those uh, those numbers, uh, it, it's going to favor one side. Uh, Penn State came out right away. Josh Jackson threw a pick. Um, we we kind of laid out Josh Jackson's shortcomings, and he kind of played right into what we said. And that's that's scary if you're Maryland because it, I'm sitting here watching you know the TV tape of Maryland Temple. And it's not a good game, but I'm picking out these things, and I'm like, that seems pretty basic, and they can't handle it. And you saw that on Tariq Castro Fields' um, interception down near the goal line. Castro Fields is just playing a you know a, a, a you know flat to curl, and all of a sudden he, he he's got one in his lap, I'm basically. So um, not a good sign for Maryland. Not a good team uh, whatsoever. Easy to scout. They follow you know they follow the blueprint that we kind of laid out there for him. You're welcome, Brent Pry. Um, but Penn State, I mean, just you can't say enough about the performance. They won penalties. They they won field position. They won the turnover battle. They had three turnovers and scored 21 points off of turnovers. Nine of 13 on third downs. Not sure the last time they were there. 30 first downs, according to the official stats, which is just ridiculous. And four sacks, which didn't really feel like you know they they got to him that much. Of course, they got they got there at the end a lot with with Ellis Brooks and with Adisa Isaac, who played really well in his limited time. Um, but really just made Josh Jackson try and beat him. Josh Jackson couldn't beat him, and, and Penn State really just put their foot on the gas. Jan Johnson's pick early in the game set the tone. Uh, Penn State comes out, of course, calls a timeout, gives everybody something to bitch about So because we always need that. And then they come out and score one play later of two touchdowns in their first four plays. I mean, just it was just such a, a, a mismatch. And really, like I said, didn't expect Maryland to be good, but thought that maybe they could ride that atmosphere for a little bit and keep it close for a while. Uh, just wasn't the case. Penn State came out and and really just, I mean, they they their their speed showed up. They were physical. They just put it to the Terps in every single way, and you know just left them in the dust. And that's basically that that, that happens sometimes, and not a good sign for Mike Loxley's program. But uh, we're we're not doing the the, the inside MD Sports Pro podcast tonight. Uh, we're talking Penn State, and they were phenomenal. Yeah, and, and the inside MD podcast. You know, you, you got to think about where Maryland is versus where they were. Just a few weeks ago, the first half against Syracuse, Sean, they scored 42 points in this building against a Syracuse team that many thought may be the second or third best team in the ACC. And so here we are now seeing Penn State come off this by some of those numbers just going back. I actually mentioned to this to Sean Clifford about a half, a half hour ago here on the field when he said, you know, I felt like we did better on third downs. I don't know what the numbers were. I said, nine of 13 and he's his eyes got real wide when I told him that number because I think he understood and probably took a lot of pride uh, in the fact that they needed to correct that we they they converted uh seven of 30 third downs in the first three games uh that equated to a 23 percent I believe if, if the math is there here at 103 a.m um that's what I get out of it 23 percent that was 127th out of 130 FBS teams Nine to thirteen is really impressive, and again, in one game, you're surpassing the entire 
third down conversions that you accrued over the first three games. So that's a great number there. And then the other thing we talked about being a key and, and, and that what they were facing from Maryland that maybe other teams hadn't presented yet, the ability that, that Maryland had, the, the, the backbreaking game players or playmakers that they had available to them. Javon Leak is someone we talked about as a kickoff return guy. They did a nice job avoiding him essentially on special teams. And when he got the ball, they did a nice job containing him. But more importantly, when he got the ball on offense, six touches for 10 yards. And Anthony McFarland's the big one. I mentioned he almost ran for 300 yards last year in one game when they put up 51 points in a loss to Ohio State. Here's what Anthony McFarland did. And again, I think he's the best offensive player this team has faced through four games. Rondell Moore will probably up the ante next week, but McFarland, nine carries, 24 yards on the ground, three catches, seven yards. Penn State did not have to rely on a lot of second and third tackle opportunities, and I think that was huge. Again, the open field tackling was there. Uh, they were swarming around, and, and I thought the talent gap would become more apparent as we got into the second half and saw the kind of the attrition with Penn State rotating at certain situations. It was apparent you know, halfway through the first quarter that Penn State just had another gear, another level they could go to, and that is at every phase, at every position. And you know, the, what, whatever happens here with the team and then the coaching, I think beyond Ohio State, Michigan included, I just think the athleticism that Penn State is going to be able to present on the football field, even if they got to go to their second guy on certain occasions, uh, that's always going to be an issue for the opponent. And tonight they matched it with, with relatively clean play. Um, you know, again, I, I, going back to the defense, Sean, I think, you know, you, you look at that the box score here, there's not a lot of things that jump out. But one, one, one that does is, to me, Etor Grossmatos. You know, he wasn't on the field deep into the game like a lot of the starters were. But I thought he had a great game considering he didn't show up in the box score against Pitt. Five early tackles, two of them for loss, uh, very much trying uh, to, to, to make him a, a, a point of emphasis for their offensive blocking. Uh, they wanted to neutralize him, and I just thought he went around and, and, and was that kind of wrecking ball that we've seen him become. That opened up things for a lot of the guys, but i got to give credit where credit is due. Um, I think Jan Johnson has, has played pretty darn good football this year, and a guy that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, may have come into this game leading the team in tackles. I know there was a group up there. But I think overall he tipped the pass today that, that, that looked like Jackson may have had someone. He batted that one a little bit. That disrupted things. He came up with an interception. I just think he's been a really good uh, open field tackler for them. And when Parsons was gone, uh, you know, I, I think he was someone who just continued to be steady, someone that no one really talks about enough except for his walk-on path. Put that aside. Look at what he did today. Jan Johnson's playing good football for this Penn State team, and and uh, that that's important to have a, an older guy like that making making his own maturation while everyone around him seems to be you know 19, 20 years old. Maryland tried to do what they do and get the ball out quick to the backs and and pound the flats and do everything like that. They found very quickly it's so tough to go east west on this defense and you know Jan Johnson's in the middle but but Micah Parsons for the the, the seven minutes that we got to watch Micah Parsons and Cam Brown uh, just kind of shut that stuff off the defensive ends uh, you mentioned Gross Matos he's coming in making plays on the blind side that he's stopping guys for no gain from uh, from the backside excuse me um, doing a good job I mean I just I'm curious to look at this tape to see how much uh, you know I think Penn State dictated the way that uh, the entire game went by their play on the defensive line. I'm curious to see how much that shows up on the tape, but those guys were really good. You mentioned him a little bit earlier. I mentioned him a couple of weeks ago in in sort of in jest, and he had a bad game against Buffalo. Jesse Lucetta, 
I thought he looked phenomenal. I mean, I mean, he looked like a starter. He looked like a guy that was comfortable. He looks like a guy that's flying around out there, being just, uh, you know, just going with the flow. Um, he was all over the place tonight in the time, and I think, you know, you you don't want to see your best player kicked out of the game, but that's going to be some some experience for some other guys that get in there. We saw Charlie Catcher in there. We saw Ellis Brooks. Um, we saw just a bunch of guys working through there. Brandon Smith, even um, the, the the freshman. So, I mean, it's. Uh, Obviously, not ideal to not have Parsons, but Lucetta stepped in. He was he was more than fine. Uh, the corners, of course, weren't really tested. Maryland's receivers were basically invisible for the most part. Josh Jackson was not good. Um, the uh, P. Grome, who they brought in, was was also not not good as well. Um, but no, I mean, what's what, you, you, you got to balance that? You know, Maryland was not good, but at the same time, Penn State executed very very well on both sides of the ball. Thought Ricky Ronnie deserves some credit. Called a very very good game put Penn State in position on first and second down I mean they they ran 81 plays and only had 13 third downs to work with I mean that's and most of those came in the second half so um, they were putting themselves in position on first and second down to get where they needed to go of course hit a couple of big catch and runs um, that that, that certainly worked out uh, well for this offense and and what I have down here the 10 chunk plays in the first half you get 10 chunk plays in the first half you're going to win most of those games yeah, one turnover, which was on that Clifford interception on those heck, 81 Heck of plays. a play by Nick Cross on that one. Um, still think the ball may have hit the ground, but it was a heck of a play for him to get over there. And you can see why he was, you know, so widely chased until even after signing day last year. Did people Were people talking about him on signing day last year? Yeah, maybe a little bit. Maybe yeah. a couple of weeks after. I, You know, it all runs together. So well, On the flip side, Maryland, three turnovers on, on their offensive plays. That was only 58 plays, and all three resulted in, in touchdowns for Penn State. And that was, that was really the relentless nature that Penn State came out. Last year, we saw Penn State in some similar matchups. Uh, one that stood out to me was early in, in 2018 when they went to Pitt. The Pitt fans were charged up. They knew it was a chance for them to make an early statement. Hung with it. Uh, it really kind of took it to Penn State at times in the first half, and Penn State rolled in the second half. Similar equation last year, Friday night game on the road at Illinois. Lovey Smith, everyone's trying to get that, them fired up for that program. Big opportunity. They start strong. Penn State rolls beyond, beyond them in the second half. I thought maybe we'd see something play out here, but it started from the get. I mean, when you are going out there and, and, and touchdown, 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 touchdown on your first four possessions, six of the first seven possessions end up with points, a field goal at the end of the half. It, it, it was just, it felt like there was someone open every time. And it also felt like Clifford was allowing the play to develop and, and, and a cre- you know, credit the offensive line, uh, credit the way they, they, they came in with a game plan to give him time to think. But I, I just think Clifford in his own right, just looked so under control, like nothing was a surprise to him. And I think that also speaks to the the work they put in the past 13 days. Last year, we saw a Penn State team that a lot of us viewed as far more experienced in a lot of regards. And they came out of the bye week, and you just wondered what the heck were they doing the last couple of weeks? And they, they they just could not put anything together against Michigan State. And, and I think, you know, obviously Michigan State is a program at higher esteem than this Maryland squad, but they came out of it, and they and they treated it like it was Idaho in the opener, essentially. That's how it kind of looked for much of this game. And, uh, you know, everyone's projections, I mean, I think you had Penn State by 10, Mark had Penn State by 11, I had Penn State by 14. Uh, you look across the board, a lot of our colleagues, it, it was within that window. And then, the, the, what was it, less than a touchdown for the actual final spread of this game. And it ends up being a 59 to nothing game. So that tells me a few things. One, you know, 
Maryland is is going to kind of get put back in the basement at the Big Ten, and people are going to be fine with you know throwing away the key on them for a while until they prove anyone wrong. They had a nice little start there. That's effectively been ruined and stomped on, and especially tonight. Uh, but for Penn State, I think it tells you that maybe they can be more of a force uh, national perception wise than people anticipated. I think you know. Coming off the pick game, you saw kind of a choppy Penn State. Where were they offensively? People focused in on that game. They didn't exactly see Sean Clifford looks like looked like the next coming of a superstar quarterback. I think a lot of people probably plugged into this game if they wanted a high school matchup because if, if they like football, they're probably going to turn into this one. It's Friday night. There's not much else available. And so I think coming off of this, Penn State's going to have to not just manage the expectations that are going to, to be on the rise a bit outside, but again – they were glowing after this game. The players were hyped up, and this is the next kind of step for them. How do they handle this win? They obviously handled the moment and, and, and the process coming off the bye to get to this win and deliver it. Now how do they handle this kind of success when they have to prepare for a Purdue team that you know no one's going to forget what Purdue did to Ohio State last year. So that's kind of, you know, every week is we learn a little bit more about this team, but uh, I, I am very, very impressed just as someone who knows – how bye weeks can go off the rails if a team doesn't approach it correctly. Uh, I'd have to imagine, and I talked to some of the older guys, Nick Bowers has been with the team for five years. Jan Johnson's been with this team for the same amount. Uh, both of them say that they, they, they can't recall a team coming out of a bye week and delivering on its mission like this. And, um, you know, a lot goes on that we don't know about during these weeks, and, and you never know who's getting called out and who's self-critiquing. Uh, but but a lot of guys answered the bell because this isn't just Sean Clifford stepping up and, and making the difference. This is across the board. Guys answered the bell, and something tells me as, as they head home to, to State College and uh, enjoy this win, uh, there's going to be some people who, who feel like they took a step forward in their young football careers uh, tonight, and, and it comes at a good time because – Eight, eight out of the nine next uh, eight, the nine next Saturdays, you're going to be seeing a Big Ten opponent on the field across from you. And, and as we know and we've talked about, this schedule gets, gets pretty difficult as you get into October. Yeah, for the record, um, we had uh, I think we, we had Penn State covering. We had closer games than obviously it turned out, but Matt Leinert did have um, Penn State losing to Maryland. I just thought I'd bring that one up. Um, but beyond that, I mean, just looking at the offense one last time, I mean, KJ Hamler was such a mismatch that it just, I think, changed a lot of different things for the Maryland defense. Um, Dan Chisena, you got something from him. Uh, Justin Shorter got hurt, and Cam Sullivan-Brown stepped in and was solid. Uh, Nick Bowers looked good with Friermuth that looked like he got dinged as well. Um, and a screen game. How about that? Um, yeah. Sort of a screen game. I mean, it was just, I guess you could call those screens. Um, but uh, got Ricky Slade out for three catches. The backs had seven catches for 87 yards and a touchdown. Um, got a lot of that, uh, just get it out there and see what you can do. So was happy to see some progression on that angle. Uh, defensively, we talked about most of those guys. But, uh, I mean, it's just uh, you don't want to get too high after this win. Obviously, you saw what Maryland was, and that's 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 who they are. I mean, they're not a good football team. That first couple of weeks were more fool's gold than anything. If you take a look at uh, what they did against Temple and then what they did against Penn State, I mean, you're back to basically square one for that program right now. But uh, but it's still a statement for Penn State, and I think that's uh, that's the thing that might be lost. I mean, you might talk about how bad Maryland was, but at the same time, the execution was there, which is not something that's always been there. I think the play calling, once again, was very good. Um, they put themselves in a position to, you know, sort of dink and dunk and, 
and 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 then hit the big play, which is not always the case. Like I said, 31st downs is just something this team, I'm not sure, I don't have the stats in front of me for, for how much they've done it uh, since Joe Moore had showed up in 2016, brought this offense with him, but 31st downs is is, is really remarkable, and they, they did, a, did a heck of a job there. Um, it was definitely, I mean, you can talk about, you know, the, the, the mismatch in hindsight, but it was a trap, you know, a, a, a prototypical trap game, really. I mean, uh, going on the, on the road on a different night. And by the way, Penn State might lobby for more Friday night games. I think 122 points in the last two uh, that they've played. Um, not that they're ideal or anything like that, but uh, no, I mean, it's uh, they, they avoided the trap. They, they certainly came out and they really put it to Maryland. They were physical. They, they did what they needed to do. Like I said, the physicality showed up, the speed showed up, and it's just and all around, I mean, you can nitpick a couple of things here and there. I'm sure we'll get to that in the tape. But, I mean, just uh, really as complete a win as you've seen in a long time from this team. And they didn't need to wait until late in the second quarter or into the second half to really get it going. Again, this was they got off the bus and, and they came here to, to deliver a beatdown. And you know, driving on, onto this campus, you know, three hours before, Maryland, the environment they put together here was everything that the football program could have asked for in terms of, uh, you know, they, they canceled classes on Friday, I mean, Sean, to get ready for this. And, and what Penn State did was came and conquered, and now they at home, and they kind of left this program in shambles. But, um, yeah, the, the numbers are great. Clifford was two yards away from becoming, the, the, you know, to deli- the only the third 400-yard passing performance. And as we said, he, he didn't play, what, the last 25 minutes of this game. Um, so, tremendous we got this far. We didn't even mention the running backs aside from from their receptions. Just to go through that really quickly, uh, Devin Ford, uh, seven carries, forty three yards. Uh, he was also involved in the pass game. Uh, and I, you know, Ricky Slade, three catches for twenty two yards. He's a guy who's made his impact there. Touchdown on the ground. It was interesting. He had uh, seven carries uh, for twenty three uh, for twenty three yards. I think it was midway through the second uh, quarter. Right after he had scored that touchdown. He had 21 rushing yards in the first three games. So I'm sure Ricky Slade's got to be feeling pretty good about this performance. Uh, and, and then, you know, Noah Kane got seven carries, 17 yards. He didn't have that wow game. But Journey Brown continues to show that he can make plays in a variety of ways. He can do it as a rusher. You know, another solid performance there. Five carries, 21 yards, and a touchdown. But he had that big, you know, I don't want to say it was game-changing because the game was already drifting out of sight. Uh, but he had a 37-yard touchdown pass. And by the way, back in action and delivering a, a sustained, impressive downfield block and continuing the good downfield blocking we've seen from receivers this season. Daniel George really was key to that Journey Brown touchdown uh, catch and run along the sideline. So all four of these guys have shown that they're going to be on the football field. The one guy who you could say didn't flash, quote-unquote flash tonight, was Noah Kane, but I think there's enough Noah Kane supporters based on the feedback we've gotten about this running back rotation and Something to note here, Jaywan Sider, hopefully many of you read what we put up online 24-7 on Thursday. He got really in-depth and provided some context about how they're handling this rotation, the challenges, the opportunities. He said they are. he's very intrigued about these two running back formations, two running back sets, but you got to know who you can trust. Can you, can you kind of force-feed these guys to learn new formations, learn new roles, and, and, and that complexion changes when there's two running backs out there? We saw both true freshmen on the field together at the same time tonight. Uh, Noah Kane, Devin Ford. So I think that tells you they're continuing to push the envelope, expand the abilities, and expand what they're willing to do as a coaching staff as these guys continue to show what you know should show themselves as capable of handling it. 
And, uh, you know, I think that's another step forward. That's something that stuck out to me. It's not going to get a lot of talk because of all the highlights, but seeing them put the two true freshman running backs on the field at the same time, that's a step forward. Uh, before we get going, any takeaways from Franklin? I'm in State College, as, as most of our listeners know. You're down in College Park. Any takeaways from James Franklin in the postgame? He's impressed. I think I think he's very impressed by what his team came out and did. But he also isn't surprised in any way, and and, and genuinely said he, he you know he put put his head on the pillow last night and and was confident about what they did the last 13 days and the plan they had and what they executed. I think that stood out, and I think he's pretty fired up about his quarterback. Uh, seeing how Sean Clifford, uh, you know, kind of handled himself throughout these past couple of weeks and then came on the field and just, you know, really took it to another Big Ten team in his first start in, in the conference. So, you know, I, I know James Franklin said that the assistant coaches are going to get a little family time. They, they get this bonus day from, from the bye week on the back end now. And, uh, of course, Franklin, you know where he'll be. He'll be finding a high school field or two or three on Saturday to do some recruiting because uh, James Franklin does not stop, and he makes the big bucks to be that energizer bunny. But I think uh, very safe to say that, that packed into a sweaty, overcrowded media room, James Franklin looked awfully comfortable sitting at the podium, and he looked awfully proud of his Penn State team. So they're 4-0. Purdue next week, a noon game, it's homecoming, um, and then you hit the road for Iowa, and, and, and you really get underway and finding this thing out, but Penn State gets to sit out tomorrow, they get to watch all these other teams you know, fight for their lives, there's going to be some ranked teams that get embarrassed, get exposed, and again, I, I just don't know how a Penn State coach, a Penn State player wakes up tomorrow without you know, a smile on their face about what they were able to accomplish here on, on Friday night, knowing full well that the team they played viewed this and circled this as their potential coming out party. And, and it felt like this was Penn State you know, flexing their muscles a bit. And, and uh, you know, they, they should be feeling uh, pretty high. But, again, I think now here's the next test. Got to get back to work, you know, and relish this on Saturday. And, um, and now we'll see how they respond to this kind of success because it's one thing to do it against Idaho uh, on a Saturday afternoon in a game where a lot of people aren't paying too much attention to. They're going to get a lot of love tomorrow morning, uh, and and I'm I'm and tonight and, and into the weekend, and uh, from people all next week. So it, we'll see how they handle that kind of love and and see if they can get it rolling because that's what the great teams do. They do this time and time and time again, uh, rather than this being you know come back and and have a hiccup and then maybe three weeks have have a dominating performance. But I think I think if you're a Penn State fan. <laughs> Good luck. If you're trying to find something to complain about, we'll, we'll do our best to bring that to you Tuesday. But uh, aside from uh, the, the joke we made about Jordan Stout not booting every single ball uh, through the end zone and not connecting on another 50-yard field goal, I, I just I don't see necessarily how a fan or an analyst could come out of this game and say, well, Penn State took a step back in any way, shape, or form compared to what you thought they could be. And in fact, I think they're probably now a qualified stride ahead of where a lot of people thought they would be through four games based on this performance. Well, you should probably check Twitter because there's people I'm sure that are not, not happy with one no particular way. aspect of what's going on. Um, but no, you're right. I mean, it's just, uh, and, and to, to, to play off of what you said, uh, I still think you can't get too high off of this. I and mean, you got to feel good about the win. You got to feel good about how you executed. You got to feel really good about how Sean Clifford played, 
But at the same time, you got to just continue to keep chopping away. Purdue's coming in next week. Uh, they've they've beaten very good teams in the past. I don't know that they're built to do that this year, um, but uh, they've beaten uh, very good teams in the past. And then you go to Iowa on the road. Can't overlook Purdue next week. And then you know just be be looking at Iowa. So you know you've got an opportunity. You've got a really good opportunity here. And you know I think we all thought that Penn State. You know had the potential or had a really good shot at being four and zero. But you know you're, you're suddenly after. You know, taking maybe a step back, I guess saying taking a step back against Pitt, you take two steps forward against Maryland, all of a sudden you're back on track and you're and you where you want to be or where you expect to be. You continue that going next week with uh, with a noon kick against Purdue. We're going to be back at you next week on the Lions 24-7 podcast. We're going to get rolling on the Tuesday, maybe get a, another mailbag going on. I think the questions this week might be, uh, it might be a little nicer than they were last week. We'll find out. Uh, for now, I think it's time to close up shop here in the visiting coaches booth. Uh, at FedEx, whatever this place is called, Capital One, that your boys play at FedEx. Um, yeah, don't we'll say step that too away. loud. Yeah, <laughs> we'll step away here. Uh, Maryland uh, turned the lights out on this one. The scoreboard has been off for a long time, and for good reason. Fifty-nine to nothing. Uh, Penn State uh, sends their own message, and and Maryland sends a message of a different reality about where their program is right now. But four uh, zero. We'll get back with you next week. Hope you enjoyed the post game pod. Looking forward to getting back to State College this weekend, watching some football, uh, and, and we'll enjoy this Saturday, a very rare Saturday uh, to do that. So, Sean, thanks for staying up late with me, and I'll see you when I get back. For now, stay with us throughout the weekend. We've got you covered on Lions 24-7 with all post-game reaction, takeaways from this game. Sean will have his second-look film review coming up early next week. I've had a bunch of conversations with players, uh, Coach Franklin's press conference, put together some stories off of that. So we will have you well-informed, as always, on Lions 24-7. And, of course, on the podcast, you know where to find us, iTunes, Stitcher. Rate us, review us, send in those five stars. We definitely appreciate that, especially when it's 1.30 and you're a few hours from home. Thank you again. Stepping away for now. Have a great weekend. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.